My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Good morning. My name is Marty Hogstead, and I'm the director of women's ministry for about six years here at Sunrise. And I'm excited to speak with you this morning with a dear friend of mine, almost 20 years now. Hi, I'm Chris Howard. Good morning. I happen to be married to Pastor Kevin, and we together have been a part of Sunrise for 22 years now. And I just must say that we love our church family, and it's so good to be here this morning. Yes. So when Chris and I got together about this, um, we, you know, it's a process getting ready for something like this. Obviously, we don't do this every weekend. I'm sure it's a bit of a surprise for you this morning. Um, but we figured out that this weekend is like extra special for us because our men who have gone off to Camp Tadmore and retreating this weekend are doing exactly what or representing exactly what we're talking about here this morning, and that's going to be the journey of discipleship. So our men, you know, are off learning how to follow Jesus and grow in relationship with him as well as each other. And to me, that's simple discipleship, fellow believers together on the journey of following Jesus. That's as simply as I can put it. So God's vision has always been and always will be to grow in our relationship of love with him and with other people. Mm -hmm. And that's also the heartbeat of Sunrise Church. If you've been here any amount of time, I think you know that's what we're known for. I'm pleased and I'm honored to be part of this body. It's also the most important commandment that that Jesus shared in the Gospels. In his very own words, he told us what the most important commandment is. I picked the verse from Mark chapter 12. 29 and 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with your entire mind and all your strength. Mm -hmm. And that's where Chris and I want to go with you today. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? And we want to share our journey um, as disciples of Jesus, as friends, and also ministry partners. When we started looking at kind of what, what God has weaved together in our relationship in nearly 20 years, we realized we couldn't have imagined it on our own. And we will share some of our exciting adventures as well as some of the personal roadblocks that we are up against because we all have those. Although each of us has a unique journey, we hope you hear some of what has sustained us. So I want to tell you that preparing a sermon is a lot harder Then Pastor James and the others make it look. So a couple of months ago when they first laid this on us, I was like, wow, I have no, we had no idea. You know, you start out with, well, you don't have any idea what you're going to talk about. And then God just starts filling in the gaps. Mm -hmm. 
And holding up for God's word for you is just an honor, and it's also a privilege. And so, you know, how did Chris and I end up here? So there's always a little backstory. So it simply was back in the cafeteria. You remember when Pastor James and Kevin went on that uh, two weeks trip, uh, the footsteps of Paul in Turkey and Greece? So when they were on that journey, they were, it just hit them how much Jesus honored women. And so when they returned, they realized they were going to be at men's camp this year, this weekend, and that we could share the message. And so we were invited at that time. (laughs) So we don't want anybody to get um, hung up on the term disciple or discipleship. So Chris Chris is going to define what Jesus says a biblical disciple is. All right. So first of all, I want to clear something up. When we're talking about discipleship, it's easy for you guys to get the message that there's all this work for you to do, that it's all about the doing. Are you reaching someone for Jesus? Are you reading your Bible? Are you witnessing to your coworkers or your neighbors? Yes, we do talk about these things, and they are a very important part of our walk with Christ, but they're not the number one thing. It's not really about the doing. As Marty said, Jesus made it very clear what the number one thing about being a disciple was, and it's just to love him. It's just to love him. So let's define a biblical disciple. To find the definition, what do we do? We simply go to God's word, right? That's where we should always start. The first disciples of Jesus are found in the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These books outline a journey, a relational journey, okay, of, that Jesus went on with 12 men, 12 men that he chose intentionally, not a mistake, very intentionally, to walk with him, 12 men who would know him intimately and learn from him and get stretched and come to trust him. 12 men who would eventually literally lay the path of discipleship for the rest of the world. These men were named disciples because Jesus called them to follow him and to learn from him. A disciple in the Greek text, which is the original New Testament language, is mathetes, which means learner. It also means pupil, which is someone who would be following the instructions and leadership of another person, okay? So the disciples were followers and learners of Jesus Christ. They didn't just do this part-time, though, did they? They literally dropped everything they were doing. When Jesus approached them, he, they made a conscious decision to follow him. It was just like that. The Holy Spirit moved, right? Jesus called them, and they made a conscious decision to follow him wherever he went, to give up their plans and their purposes and their intentions and their dreams and follow after this man, Jesus. So it's important, I I think, it's important that we keep disciple meaning really simple so that we can do it, right, so that we can be that. Jesus kept it really simple. He pretty much says it all in one sentence in Matthew 4, 19. When he called Andrew and Peter, he said, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So let's break it down. We have come and follow. This is where they decide to surrender. 
literally dropping their nets and their fishing poles. I don't know what they fished with back then, but they decide to follow Jesus and lay down their own plans. They decide to make him their leader and obey him. And then we have, I will make you. This is Jesus' promise to them. This is where he commits to teaching them and helping them become what he has called them to be, which is what? Lovers of himself and other people. And then we have fishers of men. This is Jesus' way of relating to them, to uh, their occupation and their skill set, meeting them where they're at, and saying, I want to use those skills for my purposes. I want you to reach people. I want you to bring the good news of my gospel to others. So let's briefly overview what their lives were like after they made this decision. We see when we read the gospel accounts that the disciples weren't instantly mature believers, were they? No, they were just committed and surrendered believers who had a lot of growing and understanding to do. Who does that remind you of? Ourselves, right? You'll see through our whole talk that there's so much we can just relate to when we talk about the very first disciples because we really are the same. They were confused and they lacked faith often. They were frustrated and sometimes even scared. They did stupid stuff and fought over selfish things like who would sit next to Jesus in heaven. Um, you know, they even didn't really understand who Jesus was and what he was there to do. They knew he was the Messiah, but their expectations of what he would accomplish were out of a human and earthly mindset, not a kingdom mindset. They didn't, it took them a long time to have the mindset, the kingdom mindset of Jesus. In Matthew 16, 23, Jesus is talking to them and he's trying to prepare them for what's about to happen, for what's going to happen to him and that he's he's going to die and raise again. And what does Peter do in his earthly, fleshly mindset? No, I will never let that happen to you. That would never happen. And Jesus literally has to say, get thee behind me, Satan, because there's a completely different thing going on. This is a spiritual thing, and Jesus understands this, but they don't yet. But we later learn that Peter and all but one of the disciples would die excruciating deaths for Christ's name, for preaching the good news. So they eventually figured it out, right? So the big question is, how did these naive, passionate, strong-minded disciples go from their ignorance and their fear and their confusion and their human thinking to literally walking into death for the name and gospel of Jesus Christ? How did that happen? Well, for sure, it was a process, okay? A process very intentionally planned by God, a relational process, not a bunch of doing, a relationship where they would learn and grow and be stretched and trust and fall in love with Jesus. They experienced Jesus constantly, right? Every day. They listened to his teaching. They spent time talking with him and asking questions. Jesus spoke his word himself. He was the living word to them every day. Guys, can you even imagine what it would have been like to be face-to-face with Jesus, like in the flesh? God, so beautiful. I I look forward to that day so much. They watched the love that Jesus had for all the people, doing miracle after miracle and healing them, bringing truth to them, meeting them right where they were at, unconditionally loving them, ministering to them through word and touch and love. Jesus challenged the disciples He stretched their faith. He empowered them, and he sent them out. 
He was with them in everything, and then he died for them. He was brutally tortured, humiliated, and crucified for them. The worst death known to mankind. He took all the sins of the world upon himself, and he laid down his life. And then he kept his promise to them, and he rose again. He rose again. They saw him. They ate with him. They talked with him, and they touched the holes in his hands. His love for them was proven by his very life, and it was overwhelming to them. They would never be the same. Jesus had changed everything about their lives. We, we are in that same process today, right? We may not be seeing Jesus in the flesh face-to-face, like they did, but we do have something they didn't. We have the entire written word of God right in our hands. They didn't have all that yet. We know the beginning, the middle, and the end. And who wins? God wins. We know how it ends. We can trust in that. We can believe in that. We can lean on that. So I believe the answer to the question as to how their love was that deep that strong, that faithful, that sacrificial as to give their very lives for the gospel is because they truly understood how much God loved them. They got it. They truly understood. And they loved him in return, so much so that there was no limit to how they would show their love. They were no longer earthly-minded. They were kingdom-minded. They weren't perfect. They still got the law and grace mixed up sometimes, and we all do in our walk too, right? But their mindset was all about the mission of Jesus. They were motivated, inspired, convicted, blessed, anointed, and moved by God's love for them. We would not have the gospel, Sunrise Church. We would not have the gospel in our hands today if it weren't for what the disciples did. So I'm thinking... Let us be the kind of Christ followers that they were so the generations coming behind us will be moved and motivated, inspired like they were, right? Like we are today because of what they did. So if we stand way above and we look down at the Gospels in their entirety, right, we clearly see the whole journey of the disciples and then we can define what a disciple is. So here we go. A disciple is a person who is committed to growing in love for God and others, living a surrendered life to Jesus Christ, learning and maturing, laying down their life for the mission of Jesus. That's it. And discipleship is simply the process by which we do these things. So this leads us to the vision and the mission of Sunrise Church. Every weekend from the stage, we talk about this, right? Every weekend, we talk about the discipleship pathway, connect, grow, serve, and lead, so that the reason we do that is so that every single person in this room can know how to participate in the discipleship journey. We don't want you to be confused. We don't want you to think like it's this far-off thing that you can't attain or, or it's just complicated, right? It's not. So we talk about it every weekend. If we make our most important learning the learning of how much God loves us, 
then obeying the greatest commandment will be almost impossible not to do. Just love him back, right? And as those two things become more and more of who you are, loving God, understanding God's love for you, and loving him back, then being a disciple and making disciples will come so naturally to you. It will simply be an outpouring and an overflowing of what is already inside of you. Well, for the third time this weekend, your teaching inspired me again. (laughs) So I'm simply going to talk about how I connected with God and with others or began to live a surrendered life when I started at Sunrise nearly 20 years ago. So one of the first things I did, um, they've been talking a lot about what's going on this weekend, and one of the first things I did is just see what was available because I needed to meet some people. Mm -hmm. And so there was a women's retreat, and I went ahead and signed up. But, you know, there's a lot of roadblocks that go in either on your head or actual in reality to getting to a retreat. I'm sure the ladies in the room know what I'm talking about. (laughs) You know, like uh, maybe we don't want to be separated from our family for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. In my case, I was okay with that. (laughs) Maybe it was, for me, it was the sleeping arrangements. It's like, okay, how's that going to go? Well, okay, I can live with that for two days of my life, right? But will I actually connect with anyone? Or will I go into a group of people and feel overwhelmed? Anybody felt, ever felt any of these things? Because, you know, the list really goes on. Over my time here and helping at beginning, helping with events to where I'm at now, you know, we, I think we've heard it all. But I think uh, what it really comes down to is that once we recognize, and I began to recognize my own fears, that if I let them could actually hold me back in the way that God intends for me to connect with you, the body, and with him. That once I realize that, he helps me, I say that to him, and he helps me break free of that and helps me move in the direction of the abundant life that he offers us. And some of you may be familiar with that verse from John 10.10, where he says, I have come to give you life and to give it abundantly. And, and that has a, a very deep meaning to it, but this is what he means, is moving in the direction that he is guiding us. So I next connected after that at the recovery ministry at the time, and I honestly can remember it was so meaningful in my life, I can remember it like it was yesterday. And this is where I joined a women's support group. I was relieved to learn, first of all, that recovery isn't just alcohol and drugs, but it's also our hurts, our hang-ups, mm-hmm. our sins, our habits, our character defects that basically get in the way of our life. And Jesus wants to get in and heal those. Mm-hmm. And in other words, and it's, it's a universal problem, right? We all have them. And he's here to help us through that. So at the time, Chris and Kevin were leading that ministry, so it's where I first got to know her well. And... Um, that I mentioned I got into that small group, and I want you to know that at the very least, what you can expect from a small group is entering into an environment of people who are digging into God's word like you are, but you're going to get insights, you're going to gain insights from them that you just can't entirely do on your own. That's why God gifts us with our friends and these groups and these environments. At the, and the next thing you can expect is that you'll have people praying for you and encouraging you when you need it most. Mm-hmm. And I love this particular verse from Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stimulate one another 
to love and good deeds, not forsaking assembling together as is the habit of some, but instead encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, it's God's design for us, and that's why it has worked in my life and it's worked in some of your lives. So the small group provided a place for me, a safe place for me, where there was no judgment, no fixing, but instead a place where I could learn to start talking about and opening up about my own feelings and struggles. And we were to let Jesus do the transforming and the heart work that needed in each of us. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I needed to start to feel real, you know, really get real about my real life and real feelings and open up. And in the words of Dr. Rick Warren, talking about your feelings is the beginning of healing. Now, I don't know about some of you, but that is not what my family taught me. Okay, so I came from this very practical family, and I'd say one of the personal roadblocks stems that, I, that I've found myself up against from my family is the fact that I had type A parents, maybe even double A. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I mean, they were great, but you know what I'm talking about. And we were brought up to be just independent. You know, we could do whatever we want. We don't necessarily need other people to get there. We could do whatever we were determined to do. And that was drilled into me really my whole life. And independence was strongly encouraged. Well, independence can leave you as an island too. It's kind of like being right, right? Um, It can be lonely always trying to be right. I later learned that for me, the roadblock, if I wasn't careful, would be pride. And that that was the root of really that independent kind of living. There's nothing wrong with strength, but our dependence and our, our strength comes from God himself. Leading a life of, of surrender to Christ looks much different than that. He's who I am now dependent on. I really think this quote from Eugene Peterson puts it really well. Uh, healthy spiritual growth requires the presence of the other, the brother, the pastor, the teacher, A private, proudly isolated life cannot grow. The two or three gathered together in Christ's name keep each other sane. Spiritual growth can't take place in isolation, Mm -hmm. and I needed to learn that. Mm -hmm. It's not a private thing. And, you know, we talk about our faith sometimes as being private, and I would say it's personal. It really shouldn't be private. And I, I, I just, you know, I'm so glad that God is so gracious and good to give just what we need at the right time and take us right where we are we don't have to clean up our messes or Mm -hmm. fix our own problems but instead Mm -hmm. he wants to meet us right there Mm -hmm. so god had been speaking to me a lot about becoming more vulnerable and opening up regarding sin that he wanted me to deal with and heal from in the past i knew he had forgiven me but i also knew that there was a lot more work to do with some confession and restoration that needed to take place in some relationships So as I was drawing nearer to God, he was drawing out the deepest pain, and I knew it was time to start opening up about an area of my life that was causing me pain and hindering my peace. So this prompting of the Holy Spirit set the stage for a journey of mentoring and discipleship with my friend here, Chris, that strengthened our now very long-time friendship. And I'll forever be grateful for the time that she spent meeting with me Um, when things were really messy. You know, things, life is not perfect. My life is a little messy even as we speak. Mm -hmm. But that time was really important that she was so patient, she was kind, 
and seemed always to ask me the right questions to help me dig deeper, get at heart level, so that I could start moving through the restoration. The area of secret sin, which we've all had or have currently, was now unraveled, and it didn't have a hold on my life any longer. I experienced greater freedom and obviously a more peaceful soul. And I just um, want to say that later on, you know, Chris talked about moving away to Idaho. And when they did that, you know, it was a great loss in my life of a very close friend. And I looked back and could see that God was using her absence to cause me to lean on him more first. So, see, he's always growing us. And we have to just recognize that. And that wasn't the end of our friendship. I was very fortunate for that. So the, ro- the roles that I sometimes have spoke about in our talk really were just open doors for God to draw me closer and, and give me an opportunity to grow, which is exactly what Chris is going to talk about, being committed to our own personal spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of the things about the intentionality of God is who he puts in our lives to help us grow. Proverbs twenty seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Sometimes he brings people into our life for a very brief amount of time, but they leave a lasting impact, right? Sometimes they're just in our lives for a season, like our time in Idaho, those eight years. We have friends that we still keep in touch with, but some of those people that had a huge impact in our lives and helped us grow, we may never see again, so that was for a season. And then there's people whom God has us do our lives with for many, many years, like my dear friend Marty. Marty is one of those people in my life, and she inspires me to be better. She does. She inspires me to grow. So you may know that Marty is an ex-Marine. Chris, there's no such thing as an ex-Marine. <laughs> Once a Marine, always a Marine. <laughs> really, what more is there to say, right? <laughs> so... I do love how God has used Marty in my life to help me grow. I love the way she models God's um, kind of love in that she is so gracious with me. You see, Marty and I are actually quite different. And although I think we complement each other well, which has probably increased the depth of our love and our sharpening of one another, many of her strengths are actually my weaknesses. So when I fall short in our friendship or in life, just in life in some way, and she gives me grace or encourages me and lifts me up, it makes me feel loved. It makes me feel God's love. I feel God's love through her. So friendship is so important. Romans 2, 4 says God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. And we have to remember that in our friendships, right? Kindness leads to repentance So when I feel grace from a good friend that I respect, it inspires me to grow. One of the things I love and respect about Pastor James, and yes, my hubby Kevin, is how they are deeply devoted to creating environments for this church body to grow, to continually be growing, right? There's never not a group or a mission trip, or a training, or a class, or something going on that enables us to have an environment to grow in, right? I'm personally super excited about the Sunrise Seminary that's coming up that Pastor James is going to teach, and in two weeks we have uh, what Lene talked about, the Adventures in Discipleship. Great opportunities to grow. 
and of course all the new groups that you're hearing us talk over and over about. We definitely just want to be in group with you. We want to do life with you. So when we look at the Gospels and the journey that the disciples were on, we can see all the ways that Jesus intentionally gave them opportunities to grow. We, he knew their future, right? He knew their plans for them. He knew what he was going to be asking them to do, and he was equipping them for that every single day, just like he does in our lives. The more they trusted him, the more they learned. The more he stretched them, the more they grew. He continued to put them in environments and situations that caused them to examine their hearts and their level of faith. Their call was so great, they didn't even necessarily know that at the time, their call was so great that if they had not grown, if they have not, had not obeyed and sacrificed, we would not have heard the gospel in our lifetime. One of the seasons in my life that I would say I grew the most was when God called me to lead women's ministry at a church of 7,000 members. He had spoken to my spirit before this call and was preparing me that a big change was coming. And looking back, I had no idea what it was, but looking back, it is so obvious how God was intentionally equipping me for that. He knew he was going to call me to something I had never done. I was, I didn't feel prepared. I didn't necessarily know that I knew how to do it, but he was intentionally getting me ready, right? I was so deeply humbled that God had uh, counted me worthy of that responsibility. But I believe it wasn't because I was super smart or greatly gifted or had the right personality. I believe with my heart that he trusted me with that position of authority and leadership because he knew where I'd spend most of my time learning on my knees. He knew that I knew I was nothing without him and that I was acutely aware of my fallibility and my deep, deep need for him. So that was where you could find me hanging out those two years. Uh, Thank God for office doors and quiet places. I knew that to earn the respect of the 12 women that were on my team under my leadership, to have the wisdom to teach and to guide and to make hard decisions to love the women the way Jesus wanted me to love them, to be a true encouragement to them, I had to spend time with Jesus. I wanted the words of my mouth and the decisions from my heart to be a reflection of the time I had spent with God. I wanted the women to trust me because they believed I was spending time with the Lord and not just thinking I was this great leader, right, but truly knowing where my source of strength and wisdom comes from. So remember, we grow in different ways. Like my hubby said last week, there are different zones, right? There's the comfort zone, the stretch zone, the groan zone, and the stretch zone. (laughs) We can grow even by just sitting in a classroom, like sitting in an environment like this this morning. We can grow by being in painfully tough situations like Marty talked about, which we've all been through, right? or by doing things we never thought we could do or would do. All of these are growth opportunities, and some are just easier than others, right? So I believe that one of the biggest roadblocks to growth is fear. 
if we get out of our comfort zone, obviously we won't be comfortable anymore. <laughs> if we're not comfortable, it leads us to unknown things, which can cause a lot of fear for us. And I personally hate that. I really like being comfortable. But I can promise you this. God knows what he wants to do with your life. He is never floundering in his leadership of you. He's perfectly knowledgeable and has a perfect plan. If you love him with all your heart and you pursue learning and you're willing to be stretched, you're willing to be uncomfortable, you will be right in the center of his will. And he promised in Matthew 28 when he sent out the disciples and he gave them the great commission, what did he say? He said, do all this and I will be with you till the end of the age. I will never leave you. So we can count on that in our growth journey. And now Marty's going to talk about serving. So serving. Well, we're a serving church, so I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm just so pleased to be part of it. But really, loving others just can't be done without serving. Mm-hmm. And I'd just like to share um, a couple of things that have happened in ways that I've been able to show um, Christ's love or opportunities he's given me to outpour to other people. So the truth of the gospel, you know, is something that we believe. I believe most people here do. But it's also something that's meant to be shared and and given away. It's never meant just to be contained and just believed. Mm -hmm. So Jesus actually gave us a new commandment in John 13, 34, and 35. He actually said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, By this, all people will know that you're my disciples. So there it is. Mm -hmm. So by now you know Chris and I have hung out for a while. And just a little inside scoop, we have occasional PJ nights. (laughs) Yes, we we get together in our pajamas. She comes over and we just catch up for a few hours, and it's some of our best times. Mm -hmm. And on our last PJ night, she asked me one of her favorite famous questions. And if any of you know her, you know she asks great questions. So she said, would you and Randy ever consider hosting a college student over the summer? Well, as you can imagine, we continued to discuss it, me knowing that God had given her a vision because Chris just doesn't come up with these things off the cuff. That's just not who she is. That's a little bit more how I am. It's, it's something that God had laid a heart on her heart to do but, and, and also had laid on my heart, and I know I had spoke about it, you know, oh, maybe we could have someone in our home because, you know, we're empty, ne- empty nesters. But I hadn't, take the st- I hadn't taken the step. But, you know, um, all the fears, um, so I told her I would discuss it with, with Randy and, and get back to her. But, you know, all the fears started, you know, all those um, things. Uh, first of all, the room that he or she be staying in is the middle of our house. And that would mean when we get up in the wee hours of the morning, um, that's the part that the Marines didn't take out of us, I think. <laughs> we walk, you know, we're going to have to be quiet because, you know, we're going to have to walk past that person's room. And, hey, we're empty nesters. We're pretty quiet anyway. What if he's, what if he's noisy, you know, and that kind of thing. Anyway, I, I know you guys can relate to what I'm talking about. How's it all going to work out? Okay. So Chris told me who she had in mind, a bit about his background and why she thought, that he would be a good fit for us. So as you can see, she had thought this through. So Randy and I wanted to discuss it and discussed it that weekend, and we couldn't think of any reasons uh, why to say no, and we we knew God was asking us to take that step. So we did it. 
The rest is history. He's an awesome young man. He was one of the Sunrise interns this summer, and it looks like he's going to be staying with us at least a few more months. The rest is really history. But God is so good, and he calls us to walk closer to him by just obeying and being willing to serve. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just a willing heart. And so sometimes it's as simple as opening up a room. But, you know, when I started talking about all those fears, right, it's not always so easy in our heart. But my roadblock was my comfort was being threatened. So I know some of you can probably identify. So another thing God has showed me about serving is that it isn't always about our giftedness. You know, it's simply about our heart's willingness to obey his prompting and just being willing to serve like so many of you've done. So I kept seeing these Facebook things about the Good News concert, and then I think I got an email from James, and it just was really playing on my heart because there were three popular artists. One of them I knew of. I did not know who Lecrae was, but I had heard the name. <laughs> Pretty awesome rapper, by the way. And I was designated to take my grandson to youth group, so I was going anyway. And then I thought, you know, I used to love doing sorry about that. I used to love doing street evangelism as a team out teen out in front of the coffee house, and I hadn't done anything like that in a few years. So I signed up to be on the prayer response team, and I, was, um, I got there, and, you know, it was so exciting because I was wondering, you know, in, a, in this group of like 2,000, who was going to respond? You know, these days, how is that going to work? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people responded. Mm-hmm. So here we were on the sides with our shirts on and people responding to the gospel message, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. And so this couple approached me. And so I got to walk through the decision that they were making and hear their recommitment to the Lord. So not only did I leave with the joy of the concert input, you know, because it was really a great concert, and I also got a Lecrae CD, uh, <laughs> maybe our next PJ night, okay? Okay. And uh, can't wait. I left with the joy of sharing the gospel mm-hmm. with this young couple. So God is so good and so gracious. Mm-hmm. So Chris is going to talk to us about leading. Okay. When we talk about leading, the thing that's important to remember is this. You can teach anything that you've learned anything. You can teach anything you've learned, even your 10-year-old or your teen. Any age can teach anything that they've learned. They can pass on to another person. The discipleship pathway is filled with opportunities to continually be connecting, growing, serving, and leading, but it's not really steps one, two, three, and four. It's more like components of, deci- of being a disciple, which is so beautiful, I think, because you don't have to wait till you've arrived at some level of maturity to lead others, right? So for sure, there are expectations of character, integrity, wisdom, and knowledge associated with certain levels of leadership and authoritative roles, right? But I'm also just talking about everyday influence of another person, everyday influence in discipling others. Everyone can lead or have godly influence in another person's life. Jesus gave the disciples opportunities to lead along their pathway. He didn't just wait till he had ascended and given them their, given them their marching orders. He gave them more and more influence as their trust in him grew. So just think about all these things for yourself. God will give you more influence as your trust in him grows. And as they matured 
And as their love for him increased, because when their love for him increased, it left less of their flesh and more of God's spirit in their leadership. I'll never forget when Marty took the women's ministry director role here at Sunrise. It was so exciting for me. We actually had moved to Idaho at that time. And so just thinking back on that journey, she had gone from coming to Sunrise for the first time, attending, and then getting going to the retreat, right, and then getting connected in a small group to growing through some really tough personal situations to then eventually being a small group leader. About a year before Kevin and I moved to Idaho, uh, Pastor James and Kevin had started the coaching level of leadership in our Sunrise Small Groups ministry. So I had the privilege of coaching several small group women leaders. It was such, I just loved them. It was such a beautiful season in my life and I was so blessed by them. So when I left, Marty took my place as the coach over those small group leaders and eventually one of those small group leaders took her place as she took the staff position leading women's ministry. It was just so exciting and it still is even today. It's been so fun putting this talk together to really look back and see how it's just such a beautiful example of a discipleship journey. Literally going, journeying from connect, grow, serve, and lead and how God has has just done such a beautiful work there. So not long before that happened, as I've mentioned to you, uh, I had taken the same role in my church in Idaho. But because God had kept Marty and I knit together in relationship, uh, even over those 600 miles between us, we continued uh, to stay connected over the phone. And those conversations were so important. Sometimes we would actually fly or drive and come visit each other. We would encourage each other and challenge each other and um, really be able to talk about how we were both in the same roles at that time. We were, we were challenged. We had some tough situations. We had some fears and we had some insecurities. And God is so good, right? Because he said he's with us always. And sometimes he does it through a good friend. He makes himself real. He makes himself known and loves on us and encourages us. I personally think that one of the roadblocks to leadership is comparison. It's so easy for me to compare myself to people who are strong in my weak areas. That church family is so from the enemy. That is so not from God. It is so not how he thinks. It's so not how he wants us to think. It is absolutely the enemy's roadblock to us drawing near to God and taking risks and being stretched and and being leaders. So we all do it and we just have to stop. We just have to stop. So God puts people in our lives who are different than us for a reason, partially to inspire us to grow, right? And sometimes even challenge us to stay humble in some cases because our comparing can look like ego and pride just as easily as it can look like insecurity. If you step back and look at the leaders around you in your family, in your church, in your work, or in government, I guarantee you one thing. You'll see that they are all very different shapes and sizes, personalities, and giftings, right? So if you just think about that and you look at that, you can go, it's actually supposed to be that way and it's okay because where somebody is maybe better than me in this way, I, I have strengths and, and I rise up in this other area. 
God was very intentional when he created the different personalities in us. We cannot all be the same, or literally this world would fall apart. There would be these huge, gaping holes in our lives and in our work. We work together well because we complement each other. We need each other, and we really do need our differences. So let's stop comparing, and let's trust in who God's made us to be. So remember this. You are able to lead whatever and whomever God asks you to. You are. Whether it's being a godly influence in your family or a one-on-one Bible study or you take that step to lead a small group or maybe he's calling you to be a missionary, whatever it is, never consider how you measure up to other leaders. Just consider one thing. God has called you. He loves you, and he knows you, and he designed you, and his plan is perfect. He's made you perfect in in Christ, and he loves you so deeply. His promises are true. He's faithful. He is faithful to help you do whatever he has called you to do. You are never alone, and you can trust him. That's a good word. Good word. And I think when I first met Chris, um, how moved I was by her gentle spirit, and really she was a spiritual giant to me and in many ways, and I think, gosh, if I would have let that get in my way, mm. you know, where would that I be now? Cool. So church family, you know, what we've been talking about, this is why we're here. Mm-hmm. It's the only reason you and I and Sunrise exist mm-hmm. is to be in relationship with God and with each other, mm-hmm. to continually live a surrendered life to the Father, to love him and keep learning how to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm -hmm. So this is why we're talking about this vision every week from the front, because it's so important. And, you know, we're not just here. The comfortable seats are great. The worship, I mean, the worship is awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, The coffee is great, you know, and it makes us comfortable. But we're here for so much more than that. We're the body of Christ Mm -hmm. called to live lives of purpose surrendered, unselfish lives dedicated to God and loving others. If I hadn't plugged in and connected in a small group, I, I really, when I first came to Sunrise, I not only wouldn't be who I was, who I am today, but I really don't know where I would be. I, I wouldn't be up here um, or have the privilege and honor of leading women's ministry. Mm-hmm. So it really was God himself and Jesus and a lot of friends here, many of you who I've seen today, including a woman from my first small group leading, she had to put up with me. I mean, you know, really in my learning, learning stage. But all of them, you know, showed me a whole lot of love and met me just where I was and were patient with me on the journey. And I really couldn't have just dreamt this journey up. It was sort of astounding to look back as we prepared for this. So maybe you need to surrender today or just recommit to the Lord please do that. Mm-hmm. He's waiting for you with open arms. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you've avoided getting connected, and I talk frequently to people that have said, I've been coming three years and I haven't gotten connected, and mm-hmm. I just say, I'm so glad you're doing it, but don't wait three years. So if you've avoided it, today's the day to change that. There's so much happening here in the next month that you can plug into. Take a chance. Drop your fears. Push through them. Let God meet you where those fears are and let you and help you in taking a step of faith. Mm -hmm. You really won't regret it because he loves you, Mm -hmm. and so does this body. And I will say that we need to know you. When you enter into any of these Mm -hmm. 
environments that we've created, we need you. Mm-hmm. Just, just, you know, we need each other. So we need you to be part of it so that we can be better as a body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I, I just thank you that you are so faithful in our lives and so good to bring the right people at the right time and the right things. And I just thank you how you um, have connected me and grown me and continue to do that and just um, help each one of us to take the step and response that you know is the right thing for us. Whatever the fear is, God, that's holding us back, help us to push through it, to admit it to you, and let you guide us through that and just take steps of faith that you're calling us to. And I just thank you for this beautiful worship team this morning of eight women, um, Ifoma put together. And I just can't tell you how much it's blessed us and will continue to bless us this morning. I thank you for that. And we ask all these things in your precious name. Amen.